On 11.16 SEN, the Four Diego's. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Four Diego's on 11.16 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. Good to be with you on this Wednesday night. Rodrigo Rodriguez with you. Hey, thanks for finding another great show. Back tomorrow night from 7pm. And Vinny Venezuela, you're here as well. Good evening, Rodrigo. Good to see you again. And uh, Warren, you uh, you talked about the weather, but it's uh, nice to see you rugged up tonight with those shorts. <laughs> yeah, yep, yep. No, I'm... Happy to be here. Um, yeah. Melbourne City had their first win for the season, so that was good. Looking They're on the march. Yes. Looking forward to your interesting rant a little bit mm. later on. And Carlos, yep. uh, you kind of stuck your head out, head out then. Today, yeah. welcome. Well, I just had to correct Warren. That's welcome right. to you, Rodrigo. No, welcome I'm happy to you, War- War- uh, Vinny Venezuela. We haven't seen uh, each other before, right? No, no, now. no. Yeah. yeah, but Warren, <laughs> you know, really, are you really a City fan or not? They've actually played. They've actually played an FFA Cup game before tonight, and they've won. Yeah, the yeah, first one, two games. Well, you said it's the first win of the season. What, the other one didn't count? Well, it was the first one I've seen Actually, on TV. The other one was the ding-a-ling goes <laughs> and they crossed. You got the goal. This was yep. okay. real vision. Okay. So, if, so is that all right? So you only have belief when you see. Yeah, seeing is believing. Yeah, okay. It's an old saying, but a good one. Oh, was this close? And it does make for good radio, but I'm talking about really, really, really close to thinking you've not had a good week. Because Brisbane Strikers really took it up to you guys. They were but plucky, imagine, they were brave. Imagine, and this is the thing about television. As much as you might think that Melbourne City weren't that good, Melbourne Victory only won 1-0 against Hume. But because we didn't see the game, everyone says, oh, well, that was just a regular win. Well, if you, a saw, regular, if you, saw, a regular win. No, if you saw Muskie talk to Michael Zapponi at the end of the game, you'd certainly know that they, he wasn't happy. They, they, they didn't play so well. Can I just say that uh, Moylas City uh, did quite well to sort of get a victory. They, they worked hard for their penalties. And uh, <laughs> kudos to them. I thought and, and Bruno Fornaroli, right. I'm excited. Yeah, without him. He left me... Where yeah. he found me where he left me. Yeah, yeah. No, is this going to be no, the pattern of play no, for the well, rest of the no, year? No, only it? if they play like they did tonight. You know, they played a... With all due respect... Or, or due disrespect <laughs> to Brisbane Strikers, they're a pub team. Right? They're a pub team they, that are playing in the final of their state competition and you, in a semi-final they, of the national competition. They were carving so they're a pub you guys team. up. They were carving you guys up, hot knife through butter. Based on current performance, if there was promotion relegation, the Brisbane Strikers yes. would be one of the teams most likely to be promoted to the to the um, national competition next but, season. And yet they're a pub team. But Warren. A man of... Yeah, I tell you, of... if it's going to be like this all season, <laughs> I'm telling you now, Rodrigo, I'm making but... a marker. If it's going to be like this all season, if they play I'm not well, coming but, but on. But Warren, they... surely yes. you've been around the block, of right? Of course. You, you, you can't be happy. I mean, you've got to take the win, and you did well to get win, the Vin. penalties, but you, you must have been a little bit worried that they didn't come out as impressively as, as we would have anticipated. No they, worries they're, whatsoever. They're an A-League team. No they, worries they whatsoever. Asserted themselves. It was largely bruise-free football City were trying to play. Tonight. So just just in case you've joined us, we're talking about the <laughs> FFA Cup that yes. uh, happened tonight. Uh, have we started the show? Have no, we we we, okay. we, we, we kind of have. Um, 
Melbourne City defeated Brisbane Strikers 2-1. We've got a big show tonight, boys. Um, we've got Perry Sangus, so a man who just loves the game yes. and uh, has dedicated a lot of his life to disability football. Really looking forward to speaking to Perry a little bit later on, very shortly actually. And uh, John Satsimus, the uh, CEO of Western Sydney Wanderers, had a really good conversation with him and we'll play um, a bit of that interview uh, later on as well. And Mike McGrath. A lot of stuff happening in the UK. He's in Manchester at the moment, so looking forward to speaking to Mike. So back-to-back interviews tonight, so mm. need to be very disciplined. <laughs> Not Sorry like the that. first five minutes. Yeah, yeah. It's 11 past 11. Boys, you know I like structure. You know, because I'll get... And, and so you should, No, I got Rodrigo. a little bit nervous there, but um, let's keep that conversation going because, yeah. um, as, as you guys said, Melbourne City, um, they defeated the Brisbane Strikers 2-1 yep. um, at Perry Park. Yeah. Um, it was like they played on Mars, by the way, too. Yeah, it was a bit like that. And Melbourne Victory defeated Hume City yep. in the uh, local derby, uh, yep. 1-0. Uh, Canberra Olympic defeated uh, Redlands United 2-0. And Blacktown City uh, defeated uh, Bonnie Rig White Eagles 3-0. That's the FFA Cup results for the uh, tonight, the round of 16. Yep. Those teams go through to the quarterfinals. It was, I've got, let's, let's keep on the Brisbane Strikers because they were they yeah. were plucky tonight and um, really enjoyed watching that game. Warren? Seriously, what did you think about that game? Yeah, I thought it was, look, they're a team, Brisbane Strikers are obviously a very good team. They were in the final against Redlands in their state competition. I think they're in the semi-finals of the national competition. They were up for the game. Look, Melbourne City, a very different looking team from, you know, other than Bruno Fornaroli, a very different team than what was last year. And I think what Vinny says about, not having Aaron Moy. I mean, they've got Luke Bratton, who I think... Needs a haircut. With (laughs) Neil Kilkenny are meant to... It's almost like two guys might be as good as one, but they didn't gel as well. And I think defensively, I don't know whether it's going to be Connor Chapman and Osama Malik in those two central defensive roles. And obviously had Rose and Muscat, who are new fullbacks there. So very different team across the whole board. They were looking very vulnerable defensively, but... So, for so me, were you upset that I'm saying that they they weren't all that cohesive? They were ripped apart at times. Um, I thought Brisbane Strikers was a bit of luck and a bit of quality in the front third. Mm. They could have got more goals. I, think, I mean, is that is that is that an unfair? You know, because comment? it's unfair only, Carlos. Because number one, it comes from you. That's the first reason. <laughs> and number two, it's always glass half empty and not glass half full. I think if you're going to look at glass half full, you're going to say that. If there's any, there's no doubt that Bruno Fornarelli won't have second year blues oh. in terms of the quality and the number of goals he's going to score. That's a given. If I can, I'll, I actually will agree with you on that. And the sign for me to prove that was the double footed tackle <laughs> that he threw, he launched at a Brisbane striker, you know, one of the pub league defenders, launched double footed tackle and could have lame, the guy could have been lame after that. And that showed me in a toy FFA Cup game. Yeah. Uh, a bloke who's just become a marquee. He's a multi-millionaire, but he can still dig deep and do the whole junkyard dog thing. Yeah. Uh, he's still Uruguayan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Us. So that's <laughs> one glass half full. And they've got Fernando, the, the Argentinian. Who, yeah, who, who's got the got the the sort of like um, Western Suburbs haircut already. <laughs> he's shaved on both sides. I thought, um, I thought not so much in the first half, but in the second half, um, Bruce Kamau, I think he showed really good signs mm. that – little bit of dribble and shimmy that he led to the second goal. As to how Tim Kale, Bruno Fornarelli, Kamau sort of work together, that's going to it's be a, a bit problem. of a question it's mark. It's going to be a problem. 
Yep. This going to be a problem. As big yeah. a problem as uh, Warren not being able to pronounce Fonaroli's <laughs> surname, perhaps. Um, By the end of his marquee contract, yeah. he might get it right <laughs> in three years' time. But Vin, Vinny, about victory, look, I know there's victory fans out there saying, you're always talking about City, and look, oh, yeah, Jimmy we and do. Stuff. Yeah, we do, so much. No, well, it's, it has been pretty much City since Because they were on Cull. TV, interesting. Well, okay, well, how about victory, Vinny? I yes. Mean, uh, you know, of course, uh, Muskie came out and said that he wasn't happy. In fact, he was really pretty upset about the way they played, uh, their, their lack of uh, ability to keep the ball. Uh, and create things. I mean, he was pretty scathing in if, that interview with Michael Zappone. If you didn't know the result, yeah. you would have thought they'd mm. lost. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, he's very, very well, honest. I mean, look, in many ways, scoring your goals from penalties is probably not the way you want to win a game because it can go either way. In in, in both inst- in all the instances today with where the Melbourne teams are playing, they would deserve penalties and, and you'll take it. But... Really, you do expect every A-League team to be imposing themselves because the standard's meant to be much better. So, yes, Victory have got a bit of work to do, and they've, you know, they're still obviously in shock about the whole Diamante deal falling. Well, that's another way. If we had more time, I'd love to talk about that. But if you if you want to hear more about our opinion or my opinion on that one than Andy Mars, just go to our podcast. Uh, at uh, SoundCloud and uh, have a listen to Carlos and Andy Mar talking about the whole whether there's justice behind. City being able to sign Tim Cale under the guest rule and uh, Melbourne Victory not being able to sign Alessandro Diamante on the guest rule. That's a, it was a very interesting decision by the FFA. Can yeah. I just uh, raise another talking point from the Melbourne uh, Moiler City game v Strikers? Um, <laughs> apparently, uh, when, when the, that second penalty was called, Super Tim wanted to take it. Yes. Brand <laughs> Super Tim. He did. But then... Bruno, yeah. Super Bruno came in and said, no, no, I'm taking mm. it. I'm just wondering whether that's, you know, that's something that's sort of going to go unnoticed or... Well, ask, ask Warren that question. Is it going to be a problem with the egos here? Or are they going to play as a team? Um, Tim Cale and, and Bruno I'm actually Florelli. considering how I answer that because I think it's a fairly silly question. I mean, he's the captain. He was the captain tonight. I think as the captain, you make the decision who takes the penalties, regardless of who's in your team. And as such, he took the penalty. Yeah, he took the penalty and he made, he made a stand. He, he, he set the scene. But is there going to be a problem? Because Timmy Cale clearly believes he's the best player in that change room. He <laughs> well, cle- he, you know, in Australia. For, 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 him, yeah, for, him, for him to go up to Bruno, first game... He hasn't, he's hardly had a run since he's got. Well, I think Sorry. he's been training pretty hard last yeah, week. Although he did look so. pretty spent after the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they've been working him pretty hard. But for him to go up to Bruno and say, let me take it, I mean, that shows some front, well, Warren. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. That, he's done that in his first game. I like, this, I, like the, um, I like the passion that Tim showed in his first game for <laughs> Melbourne City. I think it was admirable. Uh, but, yeah. Carlos, you know as well as I do, in all, in all walks of life, whether it be radio shows, whether it be <laughs> schools, there are different personalities, and yeah. you have to get on with each other, and you have to accept individual differences, and eventually you have to accept who's the boss. Yeah. Yes. And on this night... Bruno was the boss. Can yeah. I just say, Simple. it's rare that uh, Super Tim asks in Uruguayan to take a penalty <laughs> and for him to be knock, knocked back. He, that would hurt. He's so talented. <laughs> he's so go. talented. Just, um, uh, hang on, Carlos. Brisbane Strikers, former NSL club. Uh, yep. Hume Hume, that's Peter in Cheltenham. You call them a pub team, Carlos. Well, look, you know, I'm t- we could go back to when they won, I think it was 97. <laughs> they won the uh, NSL Cup in front of 42,000 people there at, uh, was it Ballymore? Where were they yeah, playing? Ballymore. Ballymore yep. over Sydney, Croatia. We can go back to them with Frank Farina and uh, they had Rod Brown, all those sort of plays. Alan Hunter was playing for them. We can go back then 
and talk about them being a... But right now, let's face it, they're playing at Perry Park. Their biggest crowd in the last, you know, I don't know decade has been 3,142 or something, whatever they got tonight. Uh, they're not a pub team. Of course they're not a pub team. I, I, joke, just, yeah. I joke about that. But they certainly aren't at the A-League level yet because I don't have the resources. They are but, at the forefront of promotion but, relegation, but, though, if but you I, think about yeah, it. But I, but I hear a lot of good things about their facilities there. They've got some full-time people at the club, which is fantastic for an MPL. I, I jest out there. I mean, you know, anyone below top, top elite, I'll call pub league. But, you know, just on the just, uh, all good fun. just on the whether we talk about victory or city... Uh, Give me a spell. Such a Melbourne victory-centric show. Get over yourselves. <laughs> Lost a listener here. If you're still listening, yeah. there you go. Jeez. You, yeah. We, we, I'm thinking one week you're going to accuse for speaking too much city, and yeah. then the next week uh, you're going to accuse for speaking too much victory. Uh, no, just anonymous. That's all right. Anonymous, Warren's how do you think friend. I feel? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> just quickly, hello, Diego's. I can't believe the FFA persist in trying to manufacture an artificial buzz for the A-League. With the whatever they call the let's get an old washed up ex superstar to disrupt the training and structure and playing philosophy of the A League clubs to gain a few weeks of headlines. Seriously, the whole board of FFA should be made to take alcohol and illicit drug tests. Um, <laughs> there you go. And um, just another question Is there a specific word to describe a group of Diego's? Like a pride of litter or lions yeah. or anyway. Not so, what do you think? Collective about, noun. Yeah, no, the fact he's obviously talking, I think he's talking about Timmy Kale. Yeah, it's funny because um, I, I just mentioned on Twitter, it's innocently saying he's showing a lot of respect for people in the after match interview. And then you get completely inundated with uh, responses saying, well, he's getting $4 million a year. What do you expect? You know, he's, you know normal human beings would do. Yeah, I'm just saying. That some of these people who make so much money, these elite sportsmen, forget all that. And I was just saying that he seems to be at least, you know, portraying himself as someone who cares. Oh, no, you I mean, that's all you're asked for. Was, I mean, okay, he's making his $4 million. People resent that. A lot of people saying that $4 million should go on the grassroots, and they might may have a point. But it hasn't happened. He's here. And if Tim Cale's performance or his presence leads to a bigger TV rights deal down the track, well, it, everyone... Everyone benefits from that. I genuinely think Cahill's going to be good for Melbourne City. Yeah. I think he's going to make a difference on the field and off the field, and that's that's got to be a, a smart move. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Peter and Cheltenham, uh, more Melbourne City talk, please. Not enough. <laughs> Thanks, Peter. But we know we know you'll still listen. Yes. So right. thank you very yes, much. Uh, right. Really appreciate um, all of your uh, years of listening to the Diego's as we do. We for generally most of our lose listeners when Warren does his rant anyway. So it's uh, twenty-one past eleven. All right, now it's time for a special guest moment here on the uh, Four Diego's. We'll go to Warren's rant a little bit later on, um, but it's time now to go to the Jogo Bonito. If you want to check him out on Twitter, it's at Jogo Bonito. Perry Sangus, g'day, Perry. Welcome to the Four Diego's. Thanks for having me on, lads. Oh, it's Always a-, a pleasure to speak to you guys about football. Mate, you love your football, and uh, we enjoyed talking hours upon hours on the uh, Brazil World Cup uh, trip. So, but uh, Exactly. It's Rodrigo here. You've got Vinny, uh, Warren Diego, and Carlos Alberto Diego. But what we've got you on tonight to talk about is uh, the wonderful world of disability football. You've dedicated quite a bit of your life over the past years um, towards uh, disability football. In fact, the former Victorian state cerebral palsy coach so tell us a little bit about um you know uh, disability football and how many participants there are and just give us a bit of an overview of what the landscape looks like 
Look, uh, we actually don't know how many participants there are out there, but that's the hardest thing about it, finding those participants and getting them involved. So it pretty much is people that are sufferers of cerebral palsy, uh, people who uh, have an acquired brain injury, and people that have suffered stroke. So they're the three categories where people fit in. Um, And from there, obviously, um, my brother and I were in charge of the um, state team and the development squad, um, and we're quite happy to report that the FFV have finally um, taken over the program. So it's under their tuition at the moment. Perry, uh, Vinny here. How are you, buddy? Yeah, uh, good, buddy. Yeah, good. Uh, oh, look, I'm just wondering, how many sort of clubs are there or how many sort of venues or, or, or opportunities are there for people to, to participate? Well, Northgate City are affiliated with the program. Obviously, the development team does train at the uh, DISC in Thornbury, the Urban International Sports Centre. And um, from there, uh, we've got a probably pool of 20 to 30 players. Um, a lot of them are under 15 at the moment, um, categorised differently. A few kids have got walking sticks and they play, but we still coach them in the same way as we would coach an able body player. Um, and from there, from that pool of players, we try and select the best possible players to represent Victoria. And from there, the Vicks will go and play at the Nationals every year, which is played this year in October. And they'll play against all the other states. Um, Perry, I was wondering how, it's Warren here, I was wondering how long has there been national and international competitions for for um, for these guys to play in, I suppose? How long have you been able to compete at international level with World Cups and World Championships and qualifications of this type? Yeah, great question. Um, look, uh, incidentally, um, the boys, the Pararoo squad, just came back from Denmark. Um, that was a World Cup uh, qualifying tournament for next year. And um, they ended up in overall sixth position, um, which is a great achievement. Um, unfortunately, we didn't qualify for this year's Paralympics. Um, the lads actually, we actually played at the home of football, which is um, <laughs> St. George's Park, um, the headquarters of the Football Association. But we had a very tough group um, of Northern Ireland, Russia and Scotland Russia being one of the best countries in the world in CP football. Um, so therefore we had to go to Denmark and try and qualify for Argentina next year, um, which they did um, happily do. And we beat Spain and Japan 2-0 respectively in that game. Um, and our Asian nemesis, Iran, actually won that tournament. They beat Scotland in the finals. So actually a very good football side, Iran. And as well as Iran, Russia and Ukraine, um, they have professional players. And obviously, unfortunately, we're not at that stage yet of development. So I've been involved for roughly eight to ten years. Um, so, And I have seen the programs improve over time. And it's just a matter of funding and awareness and getting the word out there. I was going to ask you, is um, are the same nations that we would expect to, that, that we associate with being good in world football, Brazil, for instance, and South American countries? Do you notice that um, in the world of CP football that those countries are also strong? Is there a correlation no. around participation and interest in regards to CP football as well? Not, not really. I mean, third world countries tend to struggle. I mean, Iran, obviously 
that you're going to have to count Iran in that category, but Ukraine and Russia, obviously you have professional players. Um, I don't know the actual player's name, but he's actually contracted to a professional club, um, which is a fantastic story in itself. But um, our guys, our Pararoos, I mean, uh, well, the, the coach, um, they've done fantastic, a fantastic job in order to identify these guys. Um, we've got Chris Pine, a New South Welshman. He's actually a teacher. Um, our captain is actually a nurse. Um, our Victorian captain, Ben Roach, is just an inspiration to so many of our young kids in Victoria that um, is an actual born leader, you see. And, um, and, and if it wasn't for him the team probably wouldn't have even got to Denmark because he was instrumental in raising $170,000 in getting the whole squad there. Um, and, you know, just to all you listeners out there, I mean, for the guys to get to Argentina, we actually need the funding to get there. So if they can go to gopararoos.com.au and contribute, you know, whatever they like, you don't have to be a football lover, just a sports lover, you know, yeah, just to love the green and gold. Um, that's enough, you know. So, yeah. Perry, um, it's Carlos. Uh, now, I, I've learned a little bit about, you know, the disability football, CP football over the years, just through different conferences I've been to. And I was actually astounded by the fact that it's not only a, a normal, straightforward selection policy to just get the best players. You actually have a certain amount of uh, degrees of disability in every Correct. team. And, uh, and can you explain that? I mean, we don't have a lot of time, but can you explain how that all works and uh, the implications of that in picking your best team? Yeah, the rules tend to change from time to time. Like you might, they're, they're sort of set in categories. Like we've got a category five and six, uh, the people, the, the players are affected through their limbs. Um, category seven, they're affected on one side of their body and they're called uh, hemiplegia. Uh, and category eight, which is their least affected and they're actually nearly able body. So before major tournaments or even the nationals, certain sports technicians are there and they conduct tests and the players actually go through these tests, mobility tests, agility tests, running, balancing. It's just amazing to see. And then they categorize them in certain categories. Therefore, and then you go into the rules aspect where this is a bit difficult for the coaches. So you might have to only have a category five on the pitch at the one time and a category eight so, I mean, so you really need to get your sixes and sevens out in the park. So it is seven v seven. Um, the measurements of the measurement of the, the pitch is a width of fifty meters by seventy meters in length. So there's certain things there, parameters that we coaches do have to follow. So hey, Perry, mate, we've got to let you go. But uh, hey, thanks for your time tonight. Uh, congratulations on the work that you do, and uh, also to all the all the participants, in, uh, especially with the Pararoos, but also in the other uh, competitions. They're off to uh, the World Cup in 2019 in Argentina, so um, that's awesome. So to our listeners, and um, we'll also tweet this out, if you want to uh, donate some money, because obviously funding is a big issue, and the Diego's want to get right behind this as well, www.pararoos.com.au. Um, there's, a, there's a spot to donate there. So, hey, Perry, thanks for your time today, and um, keep up the good work, mate. Thank you for having me, guys. Anytime. No worries. There's Perry Sangus, um, uh, a man who dedicates his life to football. Let's take a break now and come back with uh, more of the Diego's. John Satsimas coming up right after the break on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. Double, 
Thanks for joining us on this Wednesday night. Uh, it's good to talk to Perry just before. Obviously, uh, the FFA Cup uh, tonight was uh, interesting. Melbourne City defeated Brisbane Strikers 2-1. Uh, Melbourne Victory defeated Hume City 1-0. Uh, Canberra Olympic defeated Redlands United 2-0. And Blacktown City uh, defeated Bonnie Rig White Eagles in the New South Wales Derby 3-0. The next uh, FFA Cup will take part uh, will take place next Tuesday, the 30th of August. Hey, um, earlier in the week, we, uh, we during our, um, what is it, the Bosses series, Carlos, uh, we t- we're talking to bosses within mm. the football community, and so far we've spoken to a um, number of CEOs, and this time we decided to go uh, north, we decided to go to Sydney, or Western Sydney, and we caught up with the CEO of Western Sydney Wanderers, uh, John Satsimas, he had some fantastic insights, and it was uh, really good to talk to him, and uh, we'll play about 10 minutes of the interview, and um, uh, for the entire interview, you can uh, catch it on uh, Twitter, or on SoundCloud um, over the next couple of days. I started the interview by asking John how the Wanderers pre-season had been shaping up. Uh, look, uh, we're, we're very very excited about, about what's about to unfold here at um a wonderland as we are every year. I think every team sets out their stall to be um, uh, one that will promise a favourable result for the team and, and the club and its fans. And uh, we're no different. And we have a belief that we'll be there at the business end of the season again. John, it's Carlos. Uh, congratulations on last year. I know you didn't win the big one at the end, but you got there and uh, you turned around a pretty horrific season the year before uh, where you had to balance the, the demands of the ACL plus the A-League, uh, but it was a brilliant performance last year. Did you party on hard afterwards or was it still you know, grating at you that didn't, you didn't sort of win the grand final in the end? No, look, it's always, look, if you, you take pride in whatever you do as a club and um, you always want to win the big one and anyone says that they don't, um, we'd be lying. But, um, uh, you know, we, we, we're proud of the fact that we get to the conversation and we get to the, put the point of time that, we, you know, we're in the mix. But having said that, we, we, we want to go one step further. We do want to win the A-League Grand Final and um, and all efforts are, are, are tilted towards that uh, endeavour. John, uh, Vinny Venezuela here. You guys have pretty much won, done it all as far as A-League goes. You've made history in, in a number of ways. Are there any particular, beyond winning the A-League again, obviously, are there any particular targets you set your team over there at Wanderers to achieve the, for, for this season? Well, you know, the targets are, are, are multiple. Uh, they're both on and off the pitch. And, uh, um, you know, we're, we're moving to a new venue, a couple of the new venues this year. And, you know, we, we, we strive to maximise the ability to get our memberships up to to something that's, you know, you know, what you guys are familiar with down there in Melbourne, in AFL terms, so, and the victory. And, um, you know, that's, that's one of the targets off the pitch. But, you know, on the pitch, it's always... We're back in the um, Champions League again, and um, we look forward to... You know, cementing our reputation in that space, and also you know, take, getting one better in terms of the A League. Um, you know, we want that trophy, and we want it desperately. And anyone knows Tony Popovich knows we won't rest until it's uh, it's done. Now, John, you want to avoid the roller coaster that is going up and down the ladder, which you've had in the last couple of seasons. Tell yep. me three reasons why Western Sydney Wanderers are going to be a better team <laughs> next year. <laughs> Oh look, uh, there are no reasons. All, all I can say, it's, it's, there are no reasons. It's just um, it's 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 character. It's, it's about character. It's about commitment. It's about wanting to to go up those hills again. And the, and you know the people at this club, um, you know, upstairs, downstairs, um, you know the the ancillary staff. They're all committed to to the one thing of you know reaching the pinnacle one more time. I wouldn't say there's any particular reasons, but. It, it's all about attitude and it's all about character. And I think we have that in droves here. 
John, you're lucky he didn't ask you to come up with 10 reasons. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, I was going to ask, Tony Popovich, your coach, has never been backward in terms of being turning over the list, and he's done that again this year in terms of the players in and out. I mean, when he comes to you and says, oh, look, I've got a squad of 25, but I only want to keep four or five, and I want to bring in a whole lot of extra players, does he have to convince you, or is there that absolute faith? Because you guys have been at the cutting edge of bringing players in and bringing and, and letting some go in terms of constantly looking to improve. Oh, you guys are kidding yourselves. You think I want to do the extra work to find new players. But no, look, I have the utmost faith in what Tony Tony does and, and his vision and his planning. And, um, you know, he doesn't settle for second best. And um, he knows what he needs to keep, um, you know, replenishing the squad. And I think it's a bit of a fallacy, gentlemen, that, you know, that, that the Wanderers are the only ones that do this in the A-League competition. You, you'll find that across the board. It's just it's a stigma that's stuck from first year because we had one-year contracts on a lot of players that we had that came into the into the um, squad late in the, in the first season. And I think, you know, if we, if we look at all the other squads, there's not too much difference in terms of the turnover of the squads, whether the players want to go overseas or players, um, you know, just reach their time where they've got to go and, and try other things. And um, I think if you've done a comparison, you know, there'll be similar stories at other clubs. So I, I do take umbrage to, the, to that point uh, um, to an extent. And... Um, but look, you know, it's part of the A-League. It's a salary cap system, and that's a product of it. Now, John, uh, you're not the first coach or not the first administrator or coach or player to take umbrage with Warren. <laughs> so uh, it's your first introduction to him. He's, he, uh, we, we fully endorse you taking umbrage with whatever he says. Uh, oh, it's, not, it's not about you. It's why I just keep, keep hearing Don't it. worry. If you think that was <laughs> a hard question, around. there's another one coming in a couple of minutes. Now, John... <laughs> now, John I mean, the one thing about the turnover of a squad, but you know, really something that Popper's been able to show the the game here in the in this in this country is the reinvention of a system of play. I mean, in the first couple of years, it was all about just being really competitive, hard to beat, and that's what they showed. But last year, they actually played a, a terrific possession game, and uh, and he taught it in a pretty sort of. You know, got his team playing it in a pretty short period of time when a lot of coaches need time to uh, make teams blend and and, uh, and understand each other a lot more. It just shows the ability this guy has to be so flexible with his coaching. He's the best coach in Australia, in my opinion, and um, and uh, he's clearly illustrated why that is the case. I mean, he was a product. You know, his teams in the first year was a product of, of, of the environment and what he had to deal with in the first four or five months before we started. And he dealt with what the, what resources he had. But, uh, you know, he always had a, a vision to evolve the style of play, just like the club was evolved, and he'll continue to do so. And uh, we're excited about what Tony puts on the pitch and, and how his team plays. And uh, that is why we're at, you know, we've been in four finals in four years, and it's all credit to him. Here in the Four Diego's, we're speaking with uh, Western Sydney Wanderers CEO John Satsimus. John, uh, Vinny Venezuela again. Uh, I love that name. <laughs> Bless you. So does my mum. He's a, he's a flamboyant midfielder too, John. <laughs> now, I want to talk human resources, right? Now, Federico Pivacari last year, first game, I loved him. I thought he showed something. But then uh, about the only good thing I saw him do after that was uh, pass on an SBS profile piece. I've got two questions. First of all, is there anything in particular that went wrong and secondly, is the moral of the story not to let them do profile pieces on SBS? <laughs> oh, look, by the time the profile piece came into play, we had to give them something to do. <laughs> Nothing was happening on the pitch. But having said that, look, um, 
if you looked at the, the, the ironic thing about it, four of our five uh, imports worked well last year. Um, um, Bill, who incidentally was the player with, who came with the biggest um, um, biggest reputation. He had he played in the Serie A, he'd scored, uh, La Liga. He'd scored six goals. He was a starting player, not a bench player, a starting player for against Real Madrid, Barcelona, in the immediately preceding season. So all the qualities and the attributes there to succeed here. For whatever reason, um, he, he didn't, and uh, yeah, it's a shame. And um, but you know, it just goes to show that you, you take one tree from one backyard doesn't necessarily transplant into another. And like while we're uh, on the uh, human resource uh, uh, sort of uh, chapter of, of the conversation, Wollongong uh, went for someone like Ronaldinho. They were trying to get Ronaldinho in terms of uh, getting big players. Do you have anyone on your wish list that you would like to sort of have on the cards over your way? Look, I've just been given a name and a CV by Vinny Venezuela. What <laughs> the player? But, uh, look, that's that's a, that's a work in progress as, as you move along. It's got to be the right player at the right time, at the right price. Um, to, to be quite blunt, and um, you don't want. And if anyone knows anything about Popovich's teams, mate, they've got to be fit and ready to go. Um, there's no good being good in 2005 when you're actually in 2016. There's got to be a relevance. Uh, it's got to be a credible um, addition to your squad. And, you know, we're playing elite sport here and it's got to be the right thing. And look, Ronaldinho, all credit to him. Um, and if he does play, you know, that, that's all great. But it's probably not a wondrous thing at the moment. So theoretically, if fat boy, fat Ronaldo, Brazilian Ronaldo, yeah. sort of just knocked on your door right now and said, I'm ready, <laughs> I want to come over. He's just going to say well, no. He's probably going to knock him back. Well, I'll play, play those uh, promotional video, videos from the days of when he scored that goal against Compostela and... Uh, we might get a few more uh, people attending our games. But no, it's, it's not something that we we reactively pursue. Um, um, you know, players have got to be in the right condition, in the right play to, to be able to play the style that we play. And um, um, if that player is, is a big name and he's current, and he's current, he's, that will certainly look into it. But it's got to be the right thing. To, and we've got to respect our competition as well to an extent, I think. John, um, with the signing of Tim Cale to Melbourne City, I mean, Sydney's almost become irrelevant as far as the A-League is concerned. You know, the, the power base has moved well and truly to Melbourne. I'm wondering, was there any temptation um, for you guys to look at a guy like Tim Cale based on the fact that, you know, he grew up in, in that Western Sydney part of the world and, and probably would have only added to the, you know, to the identity that you guys are bringing to that part of, of Sydney in terms of football? Oh look, yeah, Tim's a quality player, and it'll be a certainly addition to the, to the to, 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 you know, to the league and the Melbourne City, and all credit to him, and all credit to him to coming back to the, to, to our competition. I think um, I think he's found his, he, you know, a great spot there with um, with Scott Munn and the boys down there, and um, uh, they'll do well down there with him there, and he'll add another fabric to 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 the league and to the Melbourne identity. So, um, in terms of Wanderers, look, I can only deal with the players that we've got here, and um, we're quite happy with the group we've assembled. Hey, John, um, mate, you've got something very special happening in Western Sydney. And from the outside looking in, you're the right man to steer the ship. And, uh, hey, really appreciate you joining the Four Diego's on the Football Bosses series. Uh, you're one of the good bosses and um, <laughs> good luck. Good luck. I appreciate um, the kind words. Thank you very much. Oh. There you go. There's John Sadseemus, really good bloke. Uh, and he's the CEO of Western Sydney Wanderers. And, uh, geez, he's got, a, he's got his hands full in uh, Western Sydney. He's got a lot to do and he's got a lot to play with just quietly. I wouldn't mind playing with that. Yeah, that built set up there and what they've been able to 
develop and, and achieve in the short time that they've been around. It's a fantastic, uh, if it's not already reached anywhere near its potential, imagine the potential of that thing. And uh, that was part of the interview. If you want to catch the full interview, uh, check us out on Twitter tomorrow, at 4 Diego's. We'll tweet it out on the podcast, um, and you'll be able to listen to the full interview. And next week, we'll catch up with uh, Tony Pinata mm. from Sydney FC. Yep. So um, just going through all the bosses we can get, Carlos. <laughs> They yep. don't have to be CEO. Some don't want to talk to us, uh, by the way. Some don't, because mm. uh, we're hard-hitting. Not. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, boys, now it's time for Warren's Rant. Everybody was kung fu fighting. Those kids were fast as Visionaries are often criticised in the game, and being a visionary myself, <laughs> I've actually talked about the game needing a rejig, a change. What I'm talking about tonight is not something revolutionary like getting rid of the offside rule. But having watched games early in the year, I'm not saying I'm uninspired, but the game needs something. I'm requesting, I'm demanding, I'm asking for the powers to be at B to actually think about how we could change the game, not radically, but in a way that improves the spectacle. Imagine, Carlos, having unlimited interchange. Don't ask me a question. Because I don't want to reply during your rant. Imagine having unlimited interchange or an ability oh, or an ability for coaches to manipulate and not ha- and have players come on and off oh. to add to the excitement of the game. Please. The game is good, but it can be better. I'm Warren and that's my oh. rant. On eleven sixteen SEN, the four Diego's. On an action-packed show here on your Wednesday night. Thanks for joining us. Um, we're going to scoot right to the UK. This, from the Sun newspaper in the UK, it's Mike McGrath. G'day, Mike. Welcome to the Diego's. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me on. Oh, it's our pleasure. It's Rodrigo. Vinny's here. Warren and Carlos. You're in Manchester, Mike. Yeah, it's well. It's, I suppose it's a big game tonight because it's the Champions League um, playoff with a lot at stake. But it's actually not a big game because Manchester, you know, won the won the first leg. Five nil, so it's a it's a bit of a um, it's a bit of a one where they're just going to go through the motions. Mike is probably Joe Hart's farewell game too. <laughs> yeah, that's what they're saying. Um, I mean, it's a real, you know, he wa- he obviously wants to play. He wants to play in every game, but it's, it's as a bigger big of a kick in the teeth as you can get if you're going to be picked in this game. Um, it's fifty fifty actually. I'm not sure. There's some. Uh, some people saying that they trained with him in goal yesterday. Others saying it might actually be Angus Gunn in goal. Either way, if he does play, um, he isn't cup-tied for the rest of the tournament because um, uh, the playoffs doesn't count. So he could join a Champions League team if, if one wanted to pick him up. Now, Mike, um, just want to go to the Premier League, and I want to talk about Arsene Wenger. You guys have got the, the, some of the greatest managers and gaffers the world has ever seen right now, and, and you've got a guy in Wenger who isn't sort of able to win things for a pretty big club. Surely, surely his days are numbered. Well, it's what he's done in the past, and that's, you know, Arsenal fans are absolutely torn themselves, I think. I was there on Saturday... Half of them, a lot of them, saying spend spend the money, chanting, directed at Wenger, spend you know spend it, make us like Man U are looking after spending a hundred odd million, or City who've done the same in one in one uh, in one window. 
Um, so Wenger's done so much for that club. He's, he's got them a stadium, and he's done it in the right way, um, so that they haven't been in massive debt. So I think they do owe him a fair bit of um, a bit of a bit a fair bit of time to go out the way he wants to go. I think it's probably sooner rather than five years down the line. Mike, it's Carlos. It's that, oh. that others others have caught up with him. Mike, it's Carlos. Um, now. Wenger's come out quite strongly this week and said, I'm not going to spend money for the sake of spending it. I can spend $45 million tomorrow, but it's not going to necessarily get me the player I want. Uh, the you know, players and clubs from outside England uh, are now asking three or four times more than what they would ask if that player wanted to go to another team on the continent. So they're really seeing the amount of money in the EPL and trying to take advantage of that. But isn't that the world of football these days with the amount of TV rights money that's out there? Uh, you know, for me, it's not that Wenger notices this because I agree with him, but the fact that he's now living in that world and refuses to to participate in that doesn't that harm Arsenal in the long run? Well, yeah, I think it's, it, his stubbornness has harmed them, but that that is his belief. And by the way, he was actually pointing at me when he said, "I spend forty five million pounds on you," um, which I'm, I'm, I'm quite proud of. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, we, we saw that on video yeah, there, yeah. Mike. I thought I felt sorry for that journey to ask that question. <laughs> so he was pointing, yeah, he was pointing at me and said, "I can you forty five million. It doesn't mean that um, that it's it's a good deal. It means you're praised for spending money. I don't necessarily. I, I just think he should dust the cobwebs off the checkbook and. And I, I do think he should speculate a bit. And if you, if you do, you know, they desperately need a centre-back. If they spend £20 million on one and it doesn't work out, it's actually not that bad in terms of, you know, people lose £20 million pounds all the time on players. So I, I do think that he should really, he should follow suit. But this is, this is a man who is stubborn in his ways and, and he wants to do it his way. Mike, I'm... We all always talk about not looking at the ladder at this early part of the season, and Carlos says don't look at it till Christmas, so I'm going to use that <laughs> for my own purposes of motivating myself. But um, I'm interested in, in two weeks, who do you think's the team best place to make some improvement? I mean, I'm looking at Everton, and certainly with Ronald Koeman there, there's a sense of excitement around Everton, I think, improving, and they're in the market West Ham have certainly in the market. I know they've talked about Wilfred Bonney, and I mean, I suppose Tottenham were close. Of, is there any other teams that you'd think can make that reasonable step up into the, you know, the the top four, doing something that Leicester did? Um, I think it's, it's difficult to put Liverpool into the same. I don't want to talk about but, Liverpool, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but Liverpool have shown signs of. They've shown signs at Arsenal that they're, that they're capable of putting runs of victory together. But, I mean, if you're talking about a complete outsider, I mean, we're seeing it with Hull at the moment, what, what, what's possible. Um, I, th- I think it will be the, the natural order restored. And if you're looking for a dark horse, you know, maybe uh, it depends who has a good window, maybe. And maybe somebody like Bournemouth could... Um, you know, after a really bad start, put some some wins together because they've got some they've got some good players down there. Um, but I, I I actually think it'll be we'll, we'll see the the top seven predicted um, in that that we all know are the best seven teams in the in the division 
um, to be top at, at the end of the season. Mike, one last one. Uh, Sergio Aguero, where's he in the in the history of of uh, foreigners coming to the EPL? I think he's taken his game to another level under Pep Guardiola, and I think now we can actually say he's probably one of the best foreigners the EPL's seen. Is that a fair comment? Um, it's a really, it's a very, very interesting comment because he has never been picked in the PFA Team of the Year. So, which is an incredible, um, incredible how that's happened given his talent and his performances, and I think. He, I, I agree with you. He is one of the best that we've had, but he hasn't had the recognition that he probably deserves. I don't know what, why that is. Maybe it might be, be something to do with personality. He doesn't give a lot of his personality to the fans, so not a lot. You know, he's not loved like uh, Messi and Ronaldo. Even though his performances can be on a level with those players um, on on his day. Hey, Mike. Um... Thanks for your time. We know you're uh, you're busy, and uh, enjoy what should be uh, basically a one-sided a, affair. Yeah, just a one-sided <laughs> affair or a formality. Okay, cheers, guys. There's Mike McGrath in Manchester to watch the uh, Champions League playoff against. Uh, is it Manchester versus uh, Bucharest? Hey, let's take a break now and come back with just a little, tiny bit more of the Diego's on eleven sixteen SEN Melbourne's home of sport. On eleven sixteen SEN, the four Diego's. And coming up after Diego's, it's all night appetite with uh, Scotty Cooney and um, Warren. We're still talking about Warren's rant, actually. actually you, no, I didn't I was just say the Diego's made it in the world of football media. When right. you start being the centre of attention, right. well, you get trolled by by people on uh, on uh, Twitter. And this is from Randy. Uh, this is a, a message to the Diego's, but talking about Warren. Show is too short to waste time on crap rants like that, Warren. <laughs> What, do you, what you're looking at is what you're looking for is AFL. It's quite big here in Melbourne. Now, I tend to agree with Randy. So the problem with the rant there's is nothing that you wrong don't with get the, the game. time. There's there nothing is nothing wrong with the game. You want more goals. Yeah, I right? do. I've never ever. I could. I'm being honest, hand on heart. I've never ever felt that we need more goals in the game. It's all about the contest, Warren. It's about the contest. That's what we're in. If you love your sport, it's about the contest. It's not about goals all the time. I'm not saying that I want 6-4 results in every game, Carlos. My biggest issue is around tournament play. I want their dour. They become dour and boring. Warren, <laughs> you, you put them on the line, mate, and I respect that. Hey, that, thanks uh, thanks for everyone for no, listening and our, and our listeners. So remember, Carlos. We're Puerto Rican girls. Hang out. We're, we're there. there. Or if you samba, rumba and la bamba, we're, we're there. there. There are girls with fruit on their head and balls at their feet. We're, we're there. there. Where the gringos play football, we're, we're there. there. We are the Four Diego. Olé. Olé.